Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 38 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on the cast today are my two stupendous co-hosts, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And Dan. Ladies. We are officially Ooh, back. That was loud. What was that? That was loud. <laughs> oh my audacity. Uh, we are officially back, and Dan and I are dug out from under two and a half, three feet of snow. And we are here with episode 38. In case you forgot who we are or where to find us, you can always do that by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers on Facebook, shooting us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com, by going to the BGG Guild number 2077, or guild.nonsensicalgamers.com, or finding us on places like Twitter and Instagram. So today's show is going to be a good one. We are going to recap our top of the stack from December because January has been so spotty. And then we will also get into our most anticipated games of 2016. But before we do any of that, we are going to start the way we always do, by chatting a little bit about what we've been playing. And Dan, you have been playing some games. So what I've had to, gotten a chance to play is Karuba. And this is one of the games in Haba's new, I'd say, family weight game line. Um, along with Adventureland and Spookies. Uh, Karuba is designed by Rudiger Dorn, who brought us Istanbul most recently. And this is a game about adventuring through the jungle. Each player has a player board and 36 tiles. And the cool thing about this game is everyone has the exact same 36 tiles and the exact same player board. And on that player board, you have, you're going to set up four adventurers of different colors and their corresponding temples, which are all of matching colors to the adventurers. And these are going to go every game in a random setup determined by the players, but each player's board will have the same setup. So if I put the blue adventure in the top left corner and the blue temple in the bottom right corner, everyone's board will have that exactly the same. So the neat thing about this game, as I mentioned, is everyone's going to be looking at the same information and using the same tiles, but it's how they use them that's going to differ. And that's a really unique and cool um, element of this game. So what's going to happen on your turn? Very simple. Being a Haba game, it is extremely streamlined and actually very elegant. One person is going to be the jungle master as he is deemed by me. And that person is going to have their stack of 36 tiles face down in a pile. Everyone else will have theirs uh, face up in front of them, easily accessible. The jungle master guy is going to flip a tile and he is going to call out the number on that tile. Everyone is going to pick that tile from their supply and they're going to do one of two things with it. They're going to either place it on their board, uh, placing it on their board in pretty much any fashion. The one real restriction here is that the number on the tile must always be in the top left corner. So you can't rotate the tiles. The tiles must be placed with the number in the top left corner. And the second thing you can do is you can discard that tile and gain movement points for your adventurers. And movement points are equal to the number of path exits on the tile. So think of a intersection, um, so a cross, tile. Think of that as having four exits, so you get four movement points. And what you can do is you're going to be moving your adventurers, you're going to be building them paths to their respective temples, and when you move an adventure, when you discard a tile to move an adventure, 
again, you're trying to, it's a race game. So the first person to get to the temple is going to get more points than the second person, etc. Along the way, there's um, tiles that have little gems on them. If you stop, you can pick up those gems. Those are worth points at the end of the game. So um, really simple rule set. That's it. You're going to play until either one person has made it to all four of their temples or all 36 tiles run out. Takes under 30 minutes to play. Um, really fast paced. As I mentioned, it's extremely streamlined and elegant. It's just a really crisp game. I, I, I can't say enough good things about this game. I was blown away by the sheer simplicity, but what I, I loved the most was at the end of the game, you can look around at everyone's board and they have completely 100% different boards just because of how they're thinking, where they thought they could place these tiles, how you could get this guy here and there. So it's, it's amazing the kind of... Um, the game state that's created by just giving everyone the same information and same ability and same tiles and just seeing what they can do with it. I, I'm, this is easily my front runner. I mean, it's still early. It's only February, but this has got to be a front runner for at least a Spiel des Jahres nomination. This is just the perfect weight. Uh, families will love it. Our mom, our brother, our brother's girlfriend, Matt, Kel, me, Steve, everyone's loved this game um, that's played it. So that's, that's my gushing. Wow. And gushing it was. I, I get, you know, people want us to get excited about games, and this game really excited me. It was, for me, I, you've heard me talk about my love of Sansuchi. This is like Sansuchi's little brother in a much more kind of compact form. And I, I really liked this game. I really did. Kudos, Dorn. Whoa. Cool. Yeah, I liked that in three games played in about an hour and a half. We taught five brand new people to play this game with no issue. Uh, we taught them all in under two minutes. Uh, Eric actually picked up the game just watching it. He sat down and Kel started explaining. She mistook a rule and Eric, who had never played the game, corrected her. Uh, it is that simple to learn, to play. And I had a lot of fun with it. I agree. It's a little bit like Sansuchi. The movement's a little bit different, um, but it feels restrictive and and kind of tight, and you're working on optimizing to the best of your ability in a very approachable and family-friendly package. So I like trying to weigh the the options of moving. Um, there's movement restrictions. Don't do what I did, where you try to funnel all three adventures through the same spot, and you wait the whole game for that one piece to pop up, because that piece might be on the bottom of the Jungle Master's pile, uh, as I learned. So it is... It's fun to maximize and it's fun to play around with, but it's a game that doesn't feel like a math problem. It It's very kind of open and you just feel like you're exploring and you're building a little, you know, six by six grid. And uh, I was just, I was excited by how everyone took to it and how easy it was to play. And Dan is a clear, how do I want to put that? He is pushing the gospel of Karuba, you know, it, and I, I agree that it'll probably end up being an STJ uh nominee if not a winner because it is pretty much that good you know it, it fits right in that slot so it's so good if you love spatial reasoning this is like a really good game for you all right i'll order it jeez guys yeah tiff that's karuba you need to get karuba all right i got it jeez. just go get it you guys are way too enthusiastic yeah sorry it's early Ugh. it's early well i mean you guys always rag on me for not liking any games and i loved this game all right Dan loves it. dry soulless haba family games <laughs> yes get your little jungle master in on uh well hey, reverse the jungle tiff 
Okay, okay. <laughs> do it with all your friends. Is it green? I don't know. It's oh, very, it's very green, green, and I very oh, much love right. it. Very green. Sold. It's better than La Isla. Yeah. Oh, God. I doubt it. Well, another game that Dan champions that I finally got to play, I played online utilizing my Tabletopia subscription while we were stuck in the snowstorm, is I finally got to play Keyflower. I played two games of Keyflower back-to-back, one with Steve and one with Steve and Smee. Neither of us, or all three of us, we hadn't played before. Picked it up pretty easy, and I was surprised by the game. I think it was pretty fun. We played Cathedral one time at Origins, and that game was not much fun. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like learning it on the fly. And because all these key games are related, I had no faith in Dan when he said that Keyflower was really, really cool. Uh, I didn't want to play it. I, I just didn't trust the game. You should have had a little faith because I didn't like Cathedral either. It's true. That's true. <laughs> Remember I sat there and was like, uh, yeah, it's and then not, I won. Not great. <laughs> uh, but Keyflower is fun. It is a bidding game, essentially, or it's a, it's a tile placement game that revolves around this kind of central bidding mechanism where there are tiles in a center supply and you use one of three colored meeples to bid on a tile. And whenever you set the color of that tile with an initial bid or placement, that's the only color that can be placed or bid further on that tile. And there's red, uh, blue, and yellow meeples. There's green meeples, which are like super meeples, but those are a special case. Uh, But through this basic, you know, placement and bidding thing, you're collecting resources, building tiles, and trying to do like a little Carcassonne-style puzzle where you put together a little village and you can play on other people's towns and, and their tiles. And you can play multiple times on a tile by exceeding the number of meeples that have been played. So it's a worker placement game with some restriction, but not full blocking, which I like. That's kind of cool. Uh, it keeps you in the game and means that those spaces that you really need are not always out of reach. But uh, you have to pay for them if you really want them. So a lot of math, a lot of maximizing and, you know, kind of minimizing your risk and your uh, maximizing your points per action kind of thing. So I liked what it delivered. It was really quick, especially two players. Uh, I stomped Steve, but I think I cheated. So that doesn't really count. We'll put an asterisk next next to that one. Um, But yeah, I think it was good. And Tabletopia seems to be a good platform to do this because you're manipulating so many meeples. I had like 30 meeples in my hand at one time. And I feel like that would be hard to deal with behind a player screen. So shift and select all is a nice feature to pick everything. Seems like a lot of meeples to have. You must have really cheated. Well, no, that both games I had, you know, 20 plus meeples in my hand in those final rounds. I had a lot to work with. But the two player, I think what we did wrong was the delivery system. That was the one kind of vague rule where... You have this ability to move resources to certain tiles to turn them in for points or other actions and or upgrade them. And we didn't quite understand the little like horse and buggy delivery system. And I think we played that a little bit wrong, but we corrected it in the second game. But all in all, I thought Keyflower was fun. I don't know that I'm running out to buy it because I think you have it, Dan, and because it's on Tabletopia. I think it's a good online accessible game that I would like to have the option to play, but I don't need to add it to my collection. So I'm liking this, this digital tabletop thing because it's a really slick interface and it means I've got access to some good games that I don't necessarily want to pay for or trade for. So 
Did you see the similarities to Steam Time and or Steam Works and how Keyflower is probably better? From the sense of <laughs> playing on other people's buildings, or you know, you've got you've got these three village, you got a village for every player, like you have machines for every players, and you're playing on their thing. Now, Keyflower has that benefit of being able to play on a building that's already been played on. Um, but other than that, there's no real bidding, and I think that I saw that as the heart of the game for Keyflower. And Steamworks is just kind of manipulating and building those funky things. Um, definitely some similarities. I don't know that they exactly line up. I would definitely rather play Keyflower after my limited plays of that versus my limited plays of Steamworks. But Keyflower is a little bit smoother. It's a little less janky. Keyflower at two works, but it's it's definitely not its best count. So try it at three or four. Yeah, well, I know we you said you played it at three, yeah. but I think four. It really shines because there's a lot more competition in the middle. What I'd be concerned about was that game plays six players. Ugh. Who would play that six players? It's not too bad. If you have a group of experienced people. I guess. Like, no new people in the group. It can flow. People who know the tiles, who know how to, you know, how to do the delivery. How much table space would you need for that, a though? Lot of, like, a lot of stuff. It's a table hog, for sure. Yeah, I don't know about... Six player for that game. That seems like a lot, but you know, I'm sure. I wouldn't play any Euro six player to be honest. Yeah, well, that's a. The bigger (laughs) comment is why are they making six player games like that? You know, is it just to say, like Steamworks plays six players, doesn't it? No idea. It's crazy. Caverna plays seven. (laughs) Yeah, why? why? Who's doing that? I don't, I don't know. I feel like Caverna, you would need like to just play on the floor. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think there's a table big enough to fit seven. Hold on, players. I'll go into the other room and let Dan know it's his turn. He can come in and uh, bring his player board. You guys can set up string cans yeah. and just communicate. You get like little wheelie tables that you can come in and out. It's your turn, Matt. <laughs> All right. Somebody pass the Campbell's can. Tiff, what have you been up to? Well, I finally broke my self-imposed hiatus of not buying games. How'd that, how'd um, that go? Oh, pretty well. I mean, I didn't buy anything major, but I was, I sold some games and the person that I sold them to lived here in Columbus. So we met up at the game store. Oh, no. And well, I felt kind of bad because I was like selling my games at the game store. So I felt like if I spend the money that I got from said games on games, it evened out. Right? Uh, no? I guess. You let, you gave into the guilt. <laughs> I well, you know, I like to support my friendly local game store. So what did you support uh, them with? I bought Fuse, which I saw at BGG Con. I saw a bunch of people playing it and it looked I mean, it's a cooperative game and it's real time, which is kind of iffy for me, but it looked it looked everyone that was playing it looked like they were having fun, uh, which I don't think is always the case for real time games. So I bought it because it's short, and my kids always pick like a forty minute game to play at board game club, and then they have this ten minutes that they don't know what to do with. You know, they can't really fit anything in. So I wanted to, f- you know, since it's a ten minute game, I thought it would be perfect. So. Uh, it is about defusing a bomb. Um, it's about in defusing the game. like 10 bombs, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you have to. There are all these bomb cards, and you have it depends on what level you want to do it on. Uh, there's like the training level, and then there's like insane. So it kind of depends on where you want to go with that. Uh, how many players you have determine how many bomb cards you have to defuse in order to win. But 
All of those cards come out, and they have different uh, requirements in order to diffuse them. So it's a dice game. What happens is you take out dice from the bag matching the player count. So if there are five players, you take out five dice and roll them. And then you kind of have to communicate about who's going to take what dice, and you have to place these different dice. If if no one can take a die, then it ends up getting re-rolled and people lose dice because of it. So uh, you want to make sure that everybody can use one die every time in order to be effective. So um, on the cards, they're just... There are different requirements. Sometimes it's a color. Sometimes it's a number. Sometimes all the colors have to be the same. It doesn't matter what the number is. Sometimes the numbers have to be the same. Sometimes they have to be greater than equal. So it's kind of like, you know, different ways mathematically to do it. And uh, so you go through, there's a timer app that is thematic. It it really makes you, it's like Escape Curse of the Temple. It has like sounds and stuff going on while you do it. So the kids really enjoyed that part of it and were like screaming at the top of their lungs by the time we got nice. to the end of the game. Nice. Like, no! And uh, so we had a lot of fun with it and it only takes 10 minutes and I can tolerate a, a real-time game that only takes 10 minutes. Yeah. We, did, we didn't win. We were on training mode and we didn't even come close. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that's because kids are just Crazy. grossly inefficient. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm looking forward to playing it with grown-up people. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely been interested in this one. Uh, I'm on my buying hiatus at the moment, you know, until I play all these games. But it's one that's been on my radar. I'm a little skeptical. It's so cheap. It is cheap. And it's kind of like, it's like a no-brainer kind of purchase. It, right. The graphic design and the style of it, I don't really like, but I don't know why I have any kind of opinion because it's just a real-time dice game. It really doesn't matter. Um, right. Like, you don't have time to care about the artwork exactly. when you're playing. <laughs> uh, I just, I don't know. I'm excited to hear, like, more about your plays with adults and things like that because, obviously, I don't have a board game group to play with kids, but I don't know how satisfying it's going to be because I like Escape Curse from the Temple. Uh I don't know. This one seems a little bit more like those areas in escape where you have to get all the symbols to place the gems. This is like a whole game where that's all it is. It's like, let's sit around a circle and talk about what these dice are real time. Um, So I just don't know how that would pan out. I'm sure it would be fun with certain groups, but I don't know if it'd be applicable enough for me to pick it up. I think it's going to depend on the group and, you know, it, I think it's perfect for kids. I can say that. Like, it's for 20 sure. bucks. Go buy it if you have kids. And you have uh, earmuffs or earplugs because you're going <laughs> to need them. <laughs> By the time they were done, I was like, I need to leave the room. My ears are ringing. Um, they, they got really excited about it. And, I mean, I could see it being fun with adults in certain situations. I mean, this is not the filler you want in between. Maybe you do want this in between two heavy Euro games. I don't know. But, uh, I, I mean, I think it's nice for 10 minutes. I, and the other thing that I thought about when I got it is, um, Star Trek five year mission. Yeah. Seems similar to this. Okay. Uh, and I didn't buy that because of the way it looked. Yeah. And this looks better than that. Oh, well, that's so, good. Yeah. I, and, and I've, I, the, I've heard other people compare the two. Oh, so really? I think, okay. I think, I think I made the right choice. Well, we'll see how that feel- pans out. I feel good about it. Well, who am I to knock? You're spending money. I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) 
I felt like it was a good bargain for. I mean, I got it for twenty bucks. I mean, yeah, it's, I think it. I think it's worth it if it's your game. My question is, does it fit my group? You know, am I, I going to get enough plays? Maybe not. So I don't know. Dan, do you have any interest in Fuse? No. And that's why I don't think it's right for my group. So I don't moving like on. real times are so not me. Yeah, yeah. I liked Escape, but after about three times, I was like, okay. Yeah, usually I don't like them, but like I, I think that because this one's short, it's yeah, and it is better. I mean, that it's way. different. It's like a dash of real time. I you don't have to it, like, but I'm not sink into there's it. There's no way in hell I want this in my collection. Yeah, it just it fills a niche that that needed to be filled in my kids collection. So, all right, Dan, give me a quick rundown on one other game you've played. I played Far Space Foundry, but I'm not going to talk about that right now because I'm going to hold my judgment because it's not good at the moment. And I'll really you didn't like it. I thought it was kind of weird. And it's definitely weird. I don't think it's a bad game. I think it's it, it works as a game. I think it is. But to me, all it was was a game. Like it, Nothing about it excited me in the I least. I thought you would have appreciated the constraints it provides. It's a very, very tight game. Yeah. It's a very, very good-looking game. But looks can be deceiving. And I, I just didn't find, the, I didn't find the fun. There was no fun in it. Like, yeah. Even the puzzle and the, the constraint and that element of it, while it did like work my brain, the randomness of the card draw into your hand with the limitations, it just, I just wasn't having fun. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It just, yeah, it yeah. didn't click. That's all. I, and I, that's not to say it's a bad game. I think, like I said, the game worked. The mechanics worked. The score was a one point difference at the end of the game. So obviously it's been, it's been refined and it's tight, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't draw any fun out of it. That's did all. you appropriately prepare for the flip for the B phase? I did not like the flip at all. I think it that was my threw least me favorite mechanic in the game. Yeah. So in far, all right, we're going to talk about it. In Far Space Foundry, your <laughs> uh, your mining, I don't know, theme is irrelevant in this game because it makes you're mining no resources sense. to produce like commercial goods. Yes. So there is this modular board that doesn't need to be modular in the middle of the table and it has an a side and a b side and you have a deck of cards it's a small little deck building element to it think like a rococo size deck building element to it like seven eight nine cards and you're going to play these cards and when you play the card there's um there's these numbered spaces on this little rondelle in the middle and you're either going to pick up or put down a ship on that number or the nearest number that a space allows you to. So I'll just simplify it that way because that part was a little bit confusing at first. Yeah. When you run out of... So what you're doing is when you put a ship down, you're going to collect... In the first phase, you're going to collect resources from a moon of some sort off to the side of the board. When you pick up a ship, you're going to take those resources you've collected in your warehouse and you're going to put them onto one of your ships that's floating in space in front of you. You'll do this... Back and forth, you know, trying to uh, maximize, you know, efficiencies, etc., getting different things until you run out of cards. Once you run, once all players run out of cards, you flip the board to the B side, and the B side is a completely different idea. In that the first, the first side is more like a, you know, a 
almost like a pick up and deliver element. You know, you're putting it into your warehouse, yeah. you're pulling into your ship. The second phase is then taking it off your ship, putting it back in your warehouse, and then buying goods with it that then come back into your warehouse, and then you're taking those from your warehouse and putting them back into your ship. It's tedious, to say the least, but it works. Um, if, if you're not prepared for it, obviously on a first play, there are certain one, a certain um, resources from the first side. I think it's the reds that on the flip side are basically useless. So if you get stuck with these, they're worth a point at the end of the game. But for purposes of buying and converting in the second phase, the B phase, they're they're relatively useless and they just take up space. Yep. Um, there's another thing that was really like, if you don't upgrade your ship, you lose points. If you don't fill your ship, you lose points. There's all this like, it was just a lot of negative, to be honest with you. It's, it's, it's you know, almost like a bunch of different like feed your worker kind of things. There's a couple things that you have to do, but you don't, you already don't have the time to do it. I just felt like the <laughs> overall aura of the game was just, it was negative. It was like, if you don't do this, you lose points. If you don't do the this, game you lose is about points. mitigating losses instead of actual gains, yeah. kind of thing. Like instead, yeah. even just the way it's phrased. And so, like, if you don't upgrade a ship, you lose two points. How about when you upgrade a ship, you gain two? But like, you know what I mean? Like, it's I don't know. It's just nothing about it was fun to me. Uh, but I will play it again with more players just to confirm that. But you know, looks aside, it's a beautiful game. Adam McIver did a great job with the graphic design and the artwork. It's clear, it's crisp. Um, but other than that, I just, I didn't find any fun in it. Yeah. I think it get, the puzzle gets more fun on your second play because you know what to expect at least and you see how tight it is. I do want to play it with more players because I've only played it two players. I will say that the, 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 it didn't, the B side didn't surprise me because we went over that and I literally flipped the board. I looked at it. I went over every action. So that didn't surprise me. It, um, it's just the, the idea for me was like, I knew it was coming, but then when it happened, I was like, wow, you really, I don't have anything to do, but work with these resources that I have. Yeah. I just thought, you know, and if you want more ships, you, you know, the captains, you to add to your deck, I don't know. It just, yeah. but it's quick and I like the efficiency quick. puzzle it poses for like a 45 minute game. But I just, yeah, like I said, I didn't have fun with it. There's other things I'd rather fill my time with. Fair enough. Fair so. enough. Tiff, did you get to play it? This is a, a top-of-the-stack prequel. No. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think it's okay. Dan does not. We'll see. I, I didn't say it was bad. You know, as I caveated, Far Space Foundry is not a bad game. I just did not have fun with the game. Well, That's you all. said you couldn't find anything fun about it. So yeah, what yeah makes but I don't it, feel like... That doesn't mean it's a bad game. I just didn't have fun playing it. That's all. Well, that Seems like the definition of bad. No, I wouldn't say that. I think it's a. I think it's a design. I think it's a well-designed game. It works as a game, but for me. But it doesn't work because you didn't have fun, right? Isn't the point of like, the game I to think, have fun? I, I guess if you want to, yeah, if you want to go that way, I'm saying from a design standpoint, I thought it was mechanically sound, broken. but it was not fun. That's okay. that's all. We'll see where you fall on it, Tiff. Yeah, we'll see. I brought it to Panericon. It just didn't get played. As usual, we had way too many games to yeah. play. So, Well, what else did you get to play? Um, oh, There's like a whole bunch that I want to talk about, but I guess I'll bring up the most controversial thing. Uh, I got my second play of Orleans in, yeah. and I think I hate it, really? guys. Yeah, I don't know. Hate? The first time... Yeah, hate. I think you I think hate it. You think it's a bad game? That means she got her ass kicked. 
I, I came in last, but I mean, the, the first player person was quite far ahead, but I was not totally out of it. It just, I don't know. Like the first time I played it, I was like, I like bag building and I like this theme better than Hyperborea. So like, I appreciate a lot of the component pieces of the game. Like, I like drawing out of a bag a lot. It's one of my favorite mechanics. Uh, I like the tracks a lot. I like that. I don't like the little mappy collecting things as much. But in general, all the little pieces of it I understand, I liked. But the pacing of the game in my brain just doesn't click right. And, and I get frustrated by it for some reason. I spent most of the game frustrated. <laughs> like, I can't get what I want. I can get these things that I don't want. And I don't know. It was just, it was weird. I uh, sold my copy, my deluxe copy of Orleone, like that night. Gone away forever. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm changing my mind about it. I've decided. And now let me say, everybody that's going to get all crazy about this yep. on Twitter, you can enjoy the game. That's fine. The game is for you, and aren't you glad that you own it? But I don't like it. You keep on playing. Well, here's the thing. You just, you guys just got on me for saying that Far Space Foundry wasn't fun, but do you think it is a good game? Like, do you find it to be a, again, a mechanically sound game that works and you understand why other people like it? Oh, I can understand that, but okay. for me, it's not a good game. Okay. You know, I, I mean, I, I get it. Like, it's cool. It's just a Kenner Spiel de Jars nominee. No big deal. I mean, that matters not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, w- would it make a difference to you if Far Space Foundry was a nominee for an award? I mean, if you don't have fun with it, you don't have fun with it. No. And you know but what? I, would understand. I stand behind my boring remark. My. <laughs> last time i was like oh it looks boring and that's why i think it's boring but i actually think it might be a little boring i'm just gonna say that i said it before that i think it goes about four turns too long i think 18 rounds is ridiculous but it's a puzzle and it's a very open puzzle that might be part of the frustration there's not a lot of guidance so if you weren't able to like change tactics with what you had you know what i mean like i could see that being frustrated frustrating well and that's what happened i started with one idea in mind and then i was unable to execute it and tried to change what i was doing and couldn't and i was just sort of locked into what i was doing and that's interesting i knew that it wasn't working i don't know i've never i've never played where i felt locked into any one particular strategy just because of the variety in the buildings um and as you mentioned like you can go up different paths you can go up the book track you could traverse the countryside and collect cheese like there's there's enough i mean avenues, i didn't do horribly yeah but yeah, that's fair i'm not gonna rag on you i mean if you don't like it you don't like it i find it to be a good game though i've only played it once do you find that it that if someone has to switch strategies versus someone who doesn't have to switch strategies that that person who's stayed consistent the whole time has an advantage i well i think here's so the thing though i, don't I think, think that's oh, how okay. deck sorry tiff go ahead no no tiff go ahead i was gonna say i I think that's how most deck builders work. And essentially, you're building a deck inside your bag of workers. Yeah. And, and I mean, to be fair, I don't usually do well with deck building. And I think that's a problem. You kind of have to know a good, your strategy going in and execute that strategy. And if for some reason that doesn't work out, I think it's hard to change direction and still succeed. I wasn't completely out of it, but I knew pretty, like halfway through the game that 
it wasn't going to happen for me. There was nothing that I could do. What I've found with Orleans, though, is you, you, you can't have just one strategy. You need at least two. Right. And maybe even a third kind of supplementary backup plan because people are going to jump out. They're going to take your cheese. They're going to um, take sure. your building. And I think utilization of like the monks and the you know the wild cards they help uh, a great deal. There you could go end game. Like there's there's enough for me. There's enough paths to explore. But I do agree that it is very open and that can be not as fun and could I guess you know. It could be boring to some people that they, you know, maybe you need a little more direct. And this isn't against you, Tiff. I'm saying I'm talking out loud about why people might not like this. No, it's okay. That that pretty well describes me as I I like a game where I have just a smidge of direction. I I don't want any, yeah. like completely. This open. one is literally wide open. You all start with the same damn followers and just go your merry way. So like getting getting your wheels moving and then having to stop and turn left or right. It can it can be annoying, especially with the events if they come out at an awkward time as well. Yeah, so I agree. My one biggest criticism is the game's just too long. I think they could have cut four rounds out, one of each of the events, and it would have been fine. I agree with that. I there there are two other things I'm going to say about it. First of all, I think I like the bag building of Hyperborea better. Yes, <laughs> yes, you do. I just to me it feels a little bit more strategic, like. Orleon, I just feel like I have this massive, yeah, I'm drawing something out that I need every time, but uh, Hyperborea, I know what's coming out of the bag. Like, I have more control. I felt like I had more control over it when I played Hyperborea. Yeah, but what it, like, uh, I guess. That was a long time ago, I, but that's... I feel like Orleans I lets have, you store and mitigate the draws a little bit more than Hyperborea. Hyperborea, if I get red, red, blue, and I have no place to put red, red, blue, then... Yeah, I don't know. I just, I remember that part of it being a more satisfying experience. But I don't know. That's just me. And the other problem with Orleone is that we played it right after Rococo, and Rococo is amazing. Rococo is the greatest game ever made outside of Terra Mystica. I really loved Rococo. It was my first time playing, and I crushed it. It's about damn time you played that game. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I. It's the greatest it's, game for a year and a half now. It was a point of shame, and everybody in my life told me that I needed to play it, and I just hadn't gotten around to it and never bought it, so I don't know. But I, I'm going to get it in my collection now because it was excellent. It's good that you found new love. Yeah. I can let Orleone pass as long as you love Rococo because our friendship okay. hinged on you liking Rococo. Like, well, friendship intact, yeah, Dan. We would have, yeah, it would have been ugly. All right. <laughs> I get to keep Matt. <laughs> I, silence with I was hoping noises. for more resistance from my brother, but I guess that's a silly expectation. Uh, all right. Let's go ahead and shift into our top of the... What did you say? Matt likes for Coco. That's why we're still brothers. I like all games, <laughs> I include, including Farspace Foundry that's and Orleans. I understand why you like it. Anyway, let's go ahead and chat about Top of the Stack, because this is going to be a very interesting discussion. Uh, we haven't done Top of the Stack in a little while, so we, Tiff and I, if you remember, or if you were listening at that time, did our December Top of the Stack. We set our Top of the Stack. Dan was not with us, and we very kindly nominated a few games for him. 
Uh, he then, in the guild, number 2077, nominated himself some games. So he actually set himself up for, uh, for seven games. So we're going to see how well he did. But essentially what happened is we had an extra month to try to complete. We're skipping January. We're going to recap December. We're going to talk about February. And then we'll see just how accountable we can be. So Tiff, how did December slash January go for you? Mm. Uh, I, it didn't go too badly. I think I picked four games. I don't have show notes, so I don't remember what they well, are. Well, there are show Hold notes. On. You should be reading them. Uh, I looked, <laughs> and I couldn't find them. Anyway, so Tiff, your games are Champions of Midgard. Check. Roll for the Galaxy Ambition. Check. Some Kramer Kiesling German trick-taking game. Check. And f- Was it Pymal Flaumann? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't didn't know how to spell that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, maybe I got the designers wrong, sorry. And Farspace Foundry. Not check. See, this you shouldn't have set yourself up for four games. I know. But you also had an extra month, so. I wanted, oh, I wanted very badly to play Farspace Foundry. That's why I put it on there. I thought, if I just push myself, but it didn't happen. It w- it's been in my bag constantly, uh, but it just hasn't gotten there. Damn. Well, how were the other three? Um, I I liked everything that I played there. Um, the role for the Galaxy expansion is as you described. It's it's a nice addition. I could probably live without it, but yeah. it's nice to have new things going on. Uh, e- easy to add in, yeah. so I like that about an expansion. Um, Pymal Flaumann, although everybody made fun of it because it's kind of just like the theme doesn't. 100% click and I I needed like Eric Martin to explain the theme to me and it eventually did make sense but I've forgotten all about it so uh, I thought it was fun um, I think we had fun playing yeah. it and uh, what was the other one? The other one was Champions of Midgard which we chatted about. Yeah we already talked about yeah. that one so yeah it was it was a pretty good month I sold Champions of Midgard. Oh did you? Yeah, well, it just I know it's never going to get played because my husband hated it the most. Oh, okay, okay. So, it had to go. I like so him. He says no. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right, well, what do you have on tap for February? This isn't, you got an extra day this year because it's the leap year. <laughs> well, I dropped it down to three games because I'm smart. Um, Iki, which I just got oh, cool. from... Yeah, yes, Dan, my- when Dan posted a picture of that, that's what I said in my head. I was like, eeky. <laughs> okay, well, that's in there. I, I haven't unboxed it or anything, but I know that I want to play it. Uh, I also, with my selling board games at the store money, bought Flock. Oh, yeah? So I think I'm going to bring that to Board Game Club, possibly. Cool. And another game that I've had in my collection for a long time, really easy game, but just hasn't made it to the table, uh, is Dig Mars, which is a tile-laying game uh, about digging resources out of Mars. Interesting. Sounds so, cool. Yeah. All right. I like it. So my top of the stack, I actually got all three done. Congratulations. That means you get to pick a game for either me or Dan. It feels a little funny, though, because I played Fire and Axe two days ago, so I needed that extra month. You get to pick an easy game Uh, for me and Dan. Fair enough. Uh, I did get to play Runebound 3rd Edition once. I liked it. Ben liked it. So we're happy with the game. 
trying to get Kel to give it a whirl because I think that we're probably the only three that are gonna gonna want to try it. Uh, it is kind of weird. It's an adventure style game where you're running around and working towards a common enemy. And Ben and I just ended up getting eaten by a dragon and we both lost. So that was a weird way to end two and a half hours. But okay. Uh, Fire and Axe was a lot of fun. We played a four player game and it went way longer than expected because we had some rules, things to deal with. But I like the game, Tiff. And I know that I don't think you've played this yet, but you have it. I yes. you should break this out. It's a lot of fun. Good. Um, That's good to hear. And then Antique Dulum, I played almost instantly after we set this top of the stack. I played twice with Steve. Uh, he actually challenged me to a rematch. We had a lot of fun with this. It's good, kind of easy uh, resource gathering and uh, Euro style uh, area control. It's a good one. And I know Dan had some interest, so maybe I can sucker him into playing it, even though it's two player. Uh, definitely a lot of fun. So my February top of the stack, I'm officially only doing top of the stack from my unplayed list. So I'm going to see if I can just crank out these unplayed games so I can start buying stuff again, trying to hold to my resolution. So Exodus Proximus Centauri is going to be my big game. It plays two player. It also plays up to five. So I can play with any of these groups that I've got. I got to learn the rules and just put it on the table, get it out, see if it's any good. Uh, Among the Stars Revival got for Christmas. It's the two player version or the two-player expansion for Among the Stars. Kel really likes it. It'll be an easy sell. No worries about that one. And then Battle Line. I just picked this up in a trade. It's a classic Knizia. Super easy to play. I think I'm not going to have any problem getting this out. I uh, just got to learn the rules and put it on the table. So I think it's going to be an easy top of the stack for February, but I'm trying to keep it simple. Play one big game and a couple little games. Crank through my unplayed. See how we do. Dan. You had a you had a weird December prescribed to you. Uh, well, Tiff and I very kindly we tried to be nice about this. We thought you might like Legendary Encounters Alien. Thought you might like to try Tigris and Euphrates. Tiff said, "Hey, you know how to play Roll for the Galaxy. Why don't you try the expansion?" And then we also threw in Catacombs because you actually do want to play that game. I assume you played none of those. I didn't play a single game in December, so I was gone for. Two and a half weeks overseas. And then I came home and it was Christmas and I didn't play any of these. So, well, you set yourself up with some more Dan friendly games in the. I set myself up with three that appealed to me. Yeah. You guys, Legendary Encounters Alien, fine. I'll play that on like a rainy day with nothing else to do. Uh, Tigers and Euphrates, I've played before. It's good. It's just a little mean. That's all. It's just one of those. Yeah. It's a good game, though. I just, you got to be in the right mindset for it. Roll for the Galaxy Ambition, yep. And Catacombs. Yeah, I put stickers on it. A few of them. There's so many of them. It's like intimidating. I just haven't finished it. It's in my car, though. Well, how'd you do with Mombasa, CO2, and Tricarion? I got Tricarion. Yeah. I got one. So. Crockpot game day. I did. I got the uh, base game of Tricarion in, which was satisfying, but it needs the expansion, I think, in my opinion. The uh, one that comes in the box, which lengthens the game a little bit and adds another new mechanic to it, which I think sounds really interesting. So, base game was fun. It was, yeah, it was vanilla, but I think the the little expansion, I think that's that's a must-have for it. Gotcha. Well, then what do you have on tap for February? Um, I'm still sticking with Mombasa because I need to play that. I also put Iki because I love saying it. 
Um, and then I put my Carson City black box. It's a good looking box. Every time I look at it, though, I want it to feel leathery textured, and it doesn't. It's no, just it doesn't. Flat. I felt it. I'm sad. Uh, I can teach you Mombasa. Yes. I know Mombasa. I read the rules. I a learned it times. and I played it and I taught mom to play it and she beat me. It was not my strongest play, but I decided to push mom's boundaries and say, hey, let's play this game. It's probably the hardest thing you've ever played. And she asked a lot of questions, but she made it through. And Kel beat us all. So that's pretty typical. It's fun, though. I like it. I, I could teach you Carson City if you come to Ohio. I, I just read the rules again yesterday. So that's the third time through. I just I haven't anyone to play it with. So I'll get it. I would play it with you if you come to Ohio. I, I, there's this thing. Beautiful, sunny Ohio. There's this thing you keep saying. It's called Ohio. And it literally has zero appeal to me. It doesn't translate <laughs> well. Not sure. It's going to be in the, in the 50s and 60s here next week. So it's going to be nice. Ohio gives away what it is by the state's Ohio abbreviation. Ohio is green. It's like Ohio. It's the La Isla. Oh. It's the La Isla of, of America. That's right. Oh, my. Except for it's not an isla. No, it's La It's Landlocked. the heart of it all. We have a lake. Oh, yeah, you do have a lake. That's true. Congrats. Telling you. It's, it's in the name. It's in the state's abbreviation. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Ohio is like a board game hub of America, so we probably should be nice. Listen, all of my board gaming friends in Ohio that listen to this podcast need to torture Matt and Dan via Twitter. I'm putting out the all call. Tell them why Ohio's great. Right? Yeah. Yeah, please start Ohio. a thread called Why Ohio is Great on our yep. guild. Yes. I, Come on. I'll read it. <laughs> I'll read it. It's It hosts your favorite convention, Dan. There's reason number one. It does. But my favorite convention was in Baltimore first, so you're welcome. <laughs> it's here now. There you go. And where would you be without me? See, I'm here in Ohio. Two great things about Ohio already. We'll see if the and list we- continues from there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we are going to chat about our most anticipated games of 2016. So it will be the Scythe and Conan and uh, Euphoria mm. Expansion Hour. So join us for that. <laughs> All right, everyone, we are back and we are going to chat about our most anticipated games for 2016. And in the spirit of New Year, New Me, we're going to forego the list this time. Lists are boring and and standardized. We're just going to keep it free flowy and uh, fast and loose. So we're just going to chat about some games. What did you say, Dan? Like my hair. Like Dan's hair. Fast and loose without gel. Uh, let's go ahead and let's just start spitting some games out. So there are lists on Reddit, there are lists on BGG, and there are plenty of games out there in the ether that are coming out in 2016. Uh, we use some of those lists to inform some of the stuff we found on our own. So check out these games if they sound interesting, but hopefully there's not too much overlap, um, but we can have some fun conversation. So Dan, you've got a, a super unique non-mainstream list. So how about you just give us one of the games that you are looking forward to? Um, I will start off with, well, yeah, we'll talk Seafall later because I'm sure that's on Matt's list as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to Einfeist für Odin. 
I don't think I pronounced that correctly at all because I don't speak the German. Um, but this is a new Uwe Rosenberg game. This is a Viking theme. Um, it's been described as a Caverna-style weight and box size, actually, with worker placement and puzzle elements. So, And these puzzle elements are similar to, like, his other game that everyone loves, Patchwork. In this game, you are Vikings. So all the new rage, obviously, is Vikings. I think every game that's coming out in the next year will have some sort of Viking in it, even if it doesn't need one. It'll be a stretch goal or a promo. <laughs> promo Vikings, Vikings for everyone. Yep. <laughs> so what's interesting about this is that people who have played Protos and stuff is that it's like hardcore worker placement in that there's like 70 action spaces in this game. That you so can many. use. Too many action spaces. Yeah, but the way it works is so you're gonna you have a personal game board and you're gonna be filling that up with these puzzle tiles, which represent like goods that you're gaining through like hunting, fishing, etc. Um and you will be like converting these pieces into like bigger pieces, and then you can like put them on your game board in this really interesting way i can't even uh, i can't even fathom how this is going to work but you're trying to like cover up the board in like a specific direction so like left to right and as you cover up certain things you gain resources etc um if you surround certain elements on the board with puzzle pieces you get like a permanent resource of that type so it's like you've like encircled this forest so you're always going to get wood or something along those lines i believe that's how it's been described a lot of what i'm reading is like loose translations and stuff but um yeah so then you'll be like traveling and discovering different islands and then there's also for you guys who might be interested and that's not just you and tiff that's just uh everyone listening there is going to be some dice rolling in this and it's supposed to represent the excitement of viking adventures However, Uwe himself has explained it to be that, you know, bad luck in the rolling will not hurt your overall grand scheme. It just slows you down a little bit. So it's 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 a minor role in the overall scheme of the game, but it is an element of the game. So overall, I think it sounds <laughs> ridiculously fun because who doesn't love puzzles and worker placement? Yeah, I mean, Vikings knitting sounds fantastic. Yeah. I'm all for it. Viking patchwork? Viking patchwork. That's exactly what this no, is. That sounds cool. So when you say the weight of Caverna, do you mean physical weight or uh, I, I think mechanical it's, weight? Yeah, it's like a um, it's a one I think it's one to four players and people who have played the proto have described it as two to two and a half hours in length. And the box size is literally like the same size box as Caverna. So it's gonna have a ton of cardboard in it. So buy some reinforcing braces for your shelves because it's going to be heavy. Yeah. So, and I, I think this is being pushed for Essen of this year. So we'll see. Cool. But cool. that'd be awesome. All right, Tiff, what's a game you're looking forward to? Um, I think one of the big ones is Legends of the American Frontier. This is a Richard Lanius game that I kickstarted so, so, so long ago, uh, they've been just plagued with delay after delay. And it's, it's finally at the printer, I think, and it's going to be coming soon because I got my Kickstarter shipping business taken care of. So, uh, in the game, you are in America after the Revolutionary War, you 
choose a character. You could be like a soldier or an Indian scout, an explorer, uh, all these different things. And you kind of, it's an adventure game and you kind of just go out through the U.S. and make your character's life happen. And you're trying to decide if you are going to be famous or wealthy or if happiness is most important to you. And you're, you're just creating this character's life. Um, and, and yeah, so it sounds very thematic, especially so for me. Oregon Trail, the board game? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> Tiff. <laughs> Tiff. <laughs> Tiff. What? Oh, no. He's back. Is it time? Uh, Tiff, yeah. I, sure? I heard Tiff was talking about dysentery, and I thought I'd jump in here real quick because everybody loves dysentery because that's what my games give you when you play them. It's um, an explosion from all sides. Yeah, an explosion, really, seriously. But you'd probably <laughs> rather want to be in the bathroom than play one of my games. I think that's what I'm trying to say. But they sell. They sell a lot, and I love to play them, and I love to roll them dice. Tiff, tell me, what do you like? This one doesn't have dice, I This one doesn't think. have dice. No, no, Tiff, you're, you're wrong. That was a stretch goal. <laughs> dice for a stretch goal, Tiff. Dice and Vikings. Dice. Yeah. All right. So I, all I right. really hope you enjoy this, Tiff. It's... um. It was supposed to be called Defenders of America, um, fit in line <laughs> with my other Defenders of Space, Defenders of the Last Realm, Defenders of the Defenders, and other Defender Line games that I produce. But uh-huh. I really hope you enjoy this because it's, it's American, and who doesn't love America? I know I will, Richard. I know it's going to be great. You're Richard the best. gets uncomfortably patriotic at times. You can't hear this draw in my oh, voice, man. He's a little radical. <laughs> this draw in my voice is basically America coming through my esophagus. This is what America sounds like. Yes, this is America. I have to stop myself from mimicking your draw, Richard, whenever I talk with you. <laughs> it's tough. I know Dan can't do it. All right. Well, so that's that's one of the ones. <laughs> Moving Endorsed along. Endorsed by the designer, Richard Launius. I am interested in a couple of different games, and just to keep things varied, I apparently missed this Kickstarter, and when I first looked at the game, I thought it was perfectly fine that I missed it. It's called Perdition's Mouth Abyssal Rift, and if that doesn't make Dan crawl, I don't know what will. I I was going through the list, and I was like, oh man, so many crappy adventure-style minis games. Why would you put the word mouth in your title? It just sounds weird. Yeah. It's your tra- it's to describe a physical like environmental yeah. structure like the mouth Inside of the, mouth, the abyss. The adventure game. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little <laughs> weird. It's an adventure game cooperative running around completing things traveling through the abyssal rift or whatever. Now the reason why it's interesting is that it's being pushed as a thematic euro game. No dice. It does have minis. But there, there's no, you know, dice rolling or anything like that to introduce randomness. You have card-based abilities and individual player powers, but none of that is randomized. The system is built off a rondelle, and this is what kind of drew me to it, is that all of your action selection when you're traveling, you're fighting, and things like that, it's a cooperative use rondelle where you have to move your player, your piece, around the rondelle. So if you want to fight, you move your dude to the the fight rondelle, and it gives you plus two attack or something like that. So if you want to move or run or recover, you have to move your dude to that space on the rondelle. And there's only a limited amount of 
spaces on each of those actions. So you have to plan accordingly with your cooperative partners about who's going to do what, when, and where as you travel through this adventure. So that is unique enough to draw my attention. Now, this was funded on Kickstarter. You can pre-order it. Um, and it looks really trashy and really heavy minis. But I like this idea that it's all based around a very calculable system. So I'm interested and anticipating to see how well it does and to see the system. Because it sounds like kind of the reason why I backed Conan was that unique overlord system and how you're allocating the dice. I'm interested in dungeon crawls that do something different. And this one seems to provide a new experience. So even though the name is absolutely ridiculous and it looks pretty stereotypical trash, Ameritrash that is, um, I think that it looks cool and that it may be something that will surprise us. I'm not sure though. Journey into my mouth, the game. Yeah. So you can check out journey into my mouth on BGG. Now don't, don't look that up. Uh, (laughs) Don't look that up at work. Just Google it. (laughs) (laughs) Abyssal rift. So that is also, it's on the, uh, the BGG most anticipated list. So you can find it there if you're looking for a, if you don't want to brave Google to accidentally end up on an NSFW site. Um, so yeah, Dan, what else you got? What else do I got? Um, let's talk about a new Feld that is in the works. I was hoping you'd bring this up because I need to hear about it. I don't, there's not a lot out there <coughs> on it. And again, Everything I've read is loosely translated from German, and the translation of Google Translate is kind of funny because the last sentence of this write-up I'm reading is, we can look forward to eating us already. And I don't, I don't Which I'm pretty sure is an accurate translation. I, I feel like it's <laughs> it wants to say, like, you can look forward to Essen? Or I don't know, but yeah, we look forward to eating us already didn't really sell me on it. What did sell me is <laughs> Back that Back to Perdition's is, mouth. Yeah. Journey into Feld's mouth. So this is called Oracle of or at Delphi. I'm not sure which the correct is, but um, this is uh, like Matt was just talking. This is like an adventure game, I believe, of his thing. So it's set in a Greek, the Greek world, Greek mythology. From what I'm looking at, like the pictures, you're going to be um, moving around um, ships, using them to increase... uh, your gifts to the gods, building temples, uh, defeating monsters, all kinds of stuff. I think the key mechanism here is going to drive off your player board and these colored dice you're using. Um, and I, it, I'm just looking at a picture of it. I'm not really sure what's going on here, but there's like this almost like it looks like a Rondell style image. And then you've got three dice with colored sides on it and you can use them to conduct actions and then you can also manipulate those dice rolls by favor tokens that you've earned from the gods you can also like get injured in battle and it says by like carrying a ton of wounds throughout your odyssey um this will slow down your progress so you want to get rid of these things so it'll be typical feld like feed your wounds and like run around but it's a hex modular board it looks really interesting um you know, from a aesthetics point of view and it's, it's the master himself. So I didn't get a real point salady vibe from this, just looking at it, but it might be because all his games are again, it looks like another interesting innovation on dice from, from Mr. Feld. 
Yeah, I just I'm excited about it because the further we get into the development of his career, he just seems to be getting better and better and more interesting. He's doing more innovative and kind of stranger things as he goes. You know, a lot of his old games have a very classic feel, but these new ones are getting weird. Whether you like them or not, they're definitely unique. So I'm I'm interested to see this whole new take on uh especially a Greek setting. I like that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of those. Tiff, you like Feld? You yeah. like La Isla, at least. It doesn't look green, though, Tiff. This yeah, looks, looks very mm, blue. I don't know. It's very blue and watery, not foresty. Blue is my favorite color, so I think we're good on that. Feld plus blue plus dice equals green. All right. All right. Anything else you're interested in, Tiff? I've, I mean, I've got a pretty long list here. Um, <laughs> I'll bring up one that'll make Dan happy, though. Uh, Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu. Go home, Tiff. Oh, my. I'm going <laughs> to go now. <laughs> oh come on i see i am into love i don't like to see mom I... and dad fight <laughs> they're about to <laughs> things are about to get thrown dan you just can't appreciate lovecraftian goodness at its finest i think here in pandemic i you know i've been a pandemic fan from the beginning it's pretty much what got me into this hobby and uh has taken over my house basically and anything pandemic uh, outside of Legacy, which I just haven't had the chance to set up enough sessions for. I, anything Pandemic, I'm going to buy. And uh, yeah, so why not? Why not, Dan? Why not? God. Remember when I said our friendship hinged on Rococo? <laughs> it's in the balance now. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mediate. I'm going to moderate here. I'm going to do a little bit of both. Mediate and moderate. Uh, so this is... it's. Pandemic with a Cthulhu theme. I think they posted the back of the box and it says that you're trying what to run you around. Doing it? You're trying to run around and close gates, apparently. And I assume they'll Which, probably. Sorry, Tiff. Go ahead. No, I. In that regard, it sounds kind of like Arkham Horror, but it doesn't take four hours. It, I assume that the reason why it's got the pandemic, and I, I'll let Dan say cash grab in a minute, but uh, I assume that they're probably going to do something with that cube mechanic you know with the, with the appearance of the cubes and the spread which i think could be interesting because i actually like how that works in pandemic so other than the fact that they've gone ahead and slapped cthulhu on a known title that's pandemic is one of those next step games that's in target that's in it might be in walmart or something like that but it's in the big box stores that people probably have on their shelves if they next to their Catans and bananagrams so other than the the potential money grab, Dan, do you have any problem with the idea of Pandemic Cthulhu, or is it just because it seems like I, a sellout? Here's my thing. All right. Cash grab fine. I don't I'm not against capitalism. Let's 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 set that out first and foremost. I'm not against capitalism. If you want to slap that on there, fine. Here's my thing. It's not original. Like, I'm so sick of people just thinking everyone wants Cthulhu. Let's put Cthulhu on it. Like, I'm just like, I thought Cthulhu for me, was last dead. year, 2015 was such a great year for unique and kind of inspiring and just different themes. And people were, you know, rallying around different. And it just seemed like to start the year off by saying, oh, here's our most anticipated game, Cthulhu Pandemic. Like, it just. It just puts a damper on it for me. That's all. Like, I understand the hobby is growing and these companies are going to need to make money. And this is obviously going to be a huge selling game. I'm not faulting people for liking it or wanting to get it. So, Tiff, you have at it. I'm just, 
it just hurts I, so, it just my, hurts my heart to see like it, it's almost like a step backward like why can't we get out of zombies and cthulhu why can't we get out of that does it hurt your heart to see more star wars games yes star wars carcassonne i was i didn't want any parts of that like i think it's ridiculous like get out I, of my carcassonne i guess i won't talk about my next game uh, <laughs> I, the, I'm not against I, Star Wars games, but keep them a little bit, uh, like a little bit of originality involved in it. Like just slapping. But I Cthulhu think this on, makes sense. Let's go. You don't know that this is slapping Cthulhu on it, and if, if they're not, using cubes as cultists, I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay. If you think about how that work can work with the so theme, it's just and a it also says then. maybe it also says there's a horrific twist, so you'll face. These ten different old ones, and they have unique powers. So That's cool. I think I, it's a way to vary pandemic. If you're sick of regular vanilla pandemic, and you've played through your expansions, just something new. That's cool. I just hope this a is a lot not, of people like. Here's my thing. Like, I just hope it's not a sign of like what's to come. Because I think this hobby. What I love about this hobby is just it's just I don't know. I just feel like with all this growth, it's just going to make people greedier. And that's just... But don't you think that putting an interesting theme that nerds like on something, if it works, is fine? Because you pandemic love is an Star interesting Wars, Wars in Imperial itself. Assault. Right. I think I, but if, Pandemic doesn't need an interesting theme. It has do, one. Do you still play Pandemic, Dan? No. But I don't like exactly. Pandemic. Exactly. But I'm saying like... But that's what I'm saying. I think most gamers like me who love Pandemic have played base game pandemic a lot and need something else you should play pandemic as long as it doesn't go the way of like love letter that doesn't work with my play style so yeah as long as it doesn't go the way of like love letter but my concern would be does it actually do something new or is is it something that eldritch horror or arkham horror already does you know because i i don't mind the theme it's not my favorite it's not my least favorite my question is is it different enough from a game? There's already a global Save the World from Cthulhu game. Is the gameplay different yeah. enough? But I think you're talking about way different audiences here. This is a playtime of 40 minutes. Yeah. Eldritch, try to play Eldritch Horror in 40 that's minutes. True. That's true. <laughs> it, the setup takes exactly. 40 minutes. So, yeah, I don't know. This is Cthulhu for, you know, people that don't have four hours. I'm just sick of the recycling of themes, regardless of what it is. Cthulhu, zombies, Star Wars. Like, let's, let's, come on, people. Well, let's talk <laughs> about a unique theme and Matt Leacock at the same time. A game that I'm looking forward to is Nitwit. Because this is a social party game with a knitting theme somehow. Mm, I just checked out. <laughs> well, you're the one who brought this to my attention, Dan. I brought it to Kelly's attention because it, it it's a word game with knitting, and Kelly loves word games, and she loves knitting. I thought this was ideal for her. Well, I figured in the realm of something unique, this would be at least I, I think a sign of hope for you, right? It's not Cthulhu? No. I don't, you know, Cthulhu knitting. That would be I cool. thought that this was a nice twist. Like, I don't think this is going to be the end-all, be-all of 2016, but when we're talking about unique... Um, gameplay and an idea that board games provide the option to create in a really unique and kind of open space. Nitwit seems to do that. So it's a word game in the sense that you are going to be taking spools of thread, closed loops of thread, and you lay them on the table in these specific ways and you attach words to them. Once all of the thread is laid and you have words attached to them, you then try to, like categories, think of as many words that relate to those words on the board 
Um, and then once you have all your words written out, you then compare around the table, you cross out any commonalities, and you score points for any unique words that you have left over. So it's all about being creative and original in tying the words on the thread on the table to what you can think of and come up with. And then you score points based on that. But it's quick and it's social, plays a large group. You know, I don't think it's going to be the next code names, but when it comes to something that stands out, it's unique. It's got a great graphic design. You know, the box layout's really nice. And it's got unique components using these threads to kind of make these crazy Venn diagrams on the table. Um, I think it looks cool. And it is from Matt Leacock, you know, to tie into the pandemic conversation. So he's doing some cool new things. I think Nitwit looks like fun. Is it an Insta buy? I don't know. But something to keep an eye out for if you do family gaming, if you do party gaming. Um, looks like a new take on things. Or if you like knitting, I guess. But hey, okay. It looks unique. I'll give it that. I'm not I'm not against that. I just don't like party games and I don't really care for word games. So that that's why I rule it out. But I think it looks interesting. Okay. Well, let's do one more round uh, of the table. Let's do one game from each of us, Dan. What is the next anticipated game? There's plenty more and maybe we'll start a thread on the guild to talk about some more of those games. But give us one more for the listeners. Are you going to say Seafall or am I going to say Seafall? Or do we even need to say Seafall because it's Seafall? So I Seafall, feel like done. Seafall is a given. We know That's what Seafall given. is. It's uh, finally submitted to Flat Hat and the printers. We don't know when pre-orders are going to go up or if it will, in fact, release. But hopefully it will. Um, shouldn't take that long to develop. All right. So. I'm going to go with um, a new game from Hans am Gluck and my buddy Matthias Kramer Matthias Kramer however you want to say that um, who is one of my favorite if not my favorite designers I love this guy um, this is a game called Dynasties something and something Herat and Hershish I, it's German we're just going to call it Dynasties okay this is a game based in Renaissance Europe like most European games however it's all about forming dynasties so you discover that you know you can achieve more together. So members of these different dynasties, you're trying to marry off and trade members of your family, which I think is kind of cool. Um, you make compromises with the other players, reacting to what they're doing. In addition to these kind of tactical decisions, you're also, there's a little bit of luck in that not every marriage will bring about like the windfall that you're expecting. Um, so then you have to seek out a different marriage. So I thought it was an interesting sounding game, um, trying to marry off your family and kind of create these different dynasties. It seems like a little positive player interaction is happening as well because you're trying to kind of coerce your, you know, the people around the table to kind of get in on these things with you. So it could be interesting. It's uh, and it's it's right in the 45 to 60 minute range. And it's it's Kramer and Hans and Gluck. I mean, that's like a match made in heaven for me. Yeah. Tiff, is that on your radar? Because I know you're a fan as well, right? Yeah. I will definitely be checking yeah. that out. Tiff likes marriage. She's a proponent. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's push this it forward. Sound as uh, good. Tiff, anything else you're anticipating? Oh, it's hard Other to choose a from lot of what's left tweets. over. <laughs> can we can we do this? Can I talk about a game and then at the end we just kind of list out what we didn't talk Let's about do that it. were Yeah. Okay. So, I probably my one that I need to mention is the back 
to the future and adventure through time by our good buddies, uh, Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle. And that's coming out this spring. And, uh, it's just like so many good things packed into one. Um, I, I don't know too much about it other than it's a hand management game that is set in Back to the Future and you're trying to make the timelines work out. And if you do that, you might win. Uh, so you're repairing your three timelines. I love time travel. Back to the Future is like one of my favorite childhood things. Um, and our friends made it. So you just, you can't beat it. That is legitimate. <laughs> it's Ben and Matt. Go buy it. I, yeah, that's all you I should have to say. say. Like, <laughs> well, and it's it's another short game. And as you know, I'm trying to collect things that my board game club kids can play in under an hour. And I mean, my kids love Back to the Future too. So I, I think it's going to be win yeah. all yeah. the way around. So cool. there you go. All right, my final game before the list of all the other games. Uh, one that piqued my interest is called Tau Seti. It is a sci-fi themed economic card game, and it's going to be relaunching on Kickstarter, so we'll see how it does. Hopefully it does well and it comes out. Uh, I like the graphic design and the component quality seems to be pretty cool. Um, it's got a center board and a lot of card um, a lot of card based play. So that's kind of how it, how it works. Basically, what you're trying to do is get the most points and you get points by, um, helping out around the galaxy or around the, the space board. Uh, you can build stuff, you can make money, you can battle, um, but it's all revolving around kind of getting the most points, the most money, and building an economic engine uh, with your own asymmetric race or group of, of space travelers. So it's got a lot of 4X kind of feel, um, in the sci-fi setting. So I like that. That's something that definitely appeals to me, but it is card based, which I like card games in particular, but also that to me always feels like it's easier to get into because, um, cards can convey a lot of information that you don't have to inherently remember, you know, in terms of rules and things like that. So I always see that as kind of a helping the barrier to entry for these games. So it's got a solo variant, which doesn't really interest me too much, although I am trying to do a little bit more solo gaming these days. So we'll see how it's how it does. It's called Tau Seti Planetary Crisis going on Kickstarter, probably featured in the news one time when it comes out. Uh, if it's not out already, I'll double check that. But you know, something to check out. I think that this is going to be the year of Kickstarter fulfillment because last year, as we saw at Gen Con and things like that, a lot of Kickstarter anticipation and sales. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. So let's do real quick, round out the show, run down your list of all the other games you're thinking about. Uh, Dan, go ahead. Give us some names. Um, mentioned Seafall. That's a given. That's finally a legacy game that is unique and not built upon a prior property, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he did with that from scratch. Uh, Quadropolis, the new Days of Wonder game, looks to be um, in the same kind of realm of five tribes that kind of step up from, you know, a family game plus, in a way, of building a little city on a grid. Uh, Matt Gertz's new game, Steamship Company. This one looks really interesting about building a steamship company. Um Obviously, the time stories things. Um, did we touch on, like, for those who don't know, the new time stories, they released a little preview of 
what's coming next. So I'll just mention that here because that's what we do. Um, after the pharaohs, so after the Egyptian box, there's going to be two more this year. And one is based around the Knights Templar. And the other is based um, on an Antarctic expedition in the World War One era. So two really cool thematic settings that get us out of zombies and into something new, which is cool. Uh, that might be that. World War One Antarctic zombies. You don't know. Maybe. Probably will be. Um, <laughs> Oceanos, the new Bowser game from Yellow. Uh, not a lot on this, but I've heard uh, from reading Bruno Fiduti's blog, this is his favorite Antoine Bowser game so far. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's high praise. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Colbert and the Card Game, Rococo Expansion, Masters of Orion sounds amazing because that was one of my favorite PC games of all time. So looks like a good year. Not to mention this first Martians game looks really intriguing. But that's on my list. That's Oh, and Manhattan Project 2. That is extremely high on my list. I completely forgot about that. Is that another board game or is that the card game? No, this is this it's is a new board, board game. game. It's about um it's about building nuclear weapons, different nuclear weapons, different countries, something. It's more modern day setting. Interesting. All right, Tiff, run down your list. I have uh, Stone Age Junior. Nice. <laughs> I love Stone Age, and this uh, is a 15-minute version. It looks really good, actually. So, like the so, art. Yeah, so it's Michael Menzel, so you know it's good. Uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to Quadropolis. I got to check that out at Gen Con, and it looked excellent and uh, all the things dan said too uh broom service the card game is happening and it focuses on just the brave and cowardly mechanism i don't know how it's going to compare to witch's brew but i'm excited about it um there's dragon keepers which is a vital lacerda game that he designed with his daughter it's a co-op dice rolling pressure luck game so i'm interested to see what that looks like coming from him since that's really not what he's known for so that intrigues me uh Club Zen, I hope it gets funded because I've played it a few times and I think it's just one of the better worker placement games that I've played over the last couple of years. So interesting. So if you haven't checked that out on Kickstarter, go back it immediately so it gets made. Um, what else? Uh, Defenders of the Last Stand, of course. Uh, can't, can't not get excited about a reskin of my favorite game with some new stuff in it. And uh, there's new Elder Sign too. So go Richard, go. Uh, what else? And New Bedford uh, that finally made it through Kickstarter and is going to happen. So yeah. it's a good game and I'm looking forward to it. That's awesome. it. I'm looking forward to some of my Kickstarter fulfillments like Scythe and Conan. Hopefully those show up. Uh, and then a whole bunch of other games. We've got, 13 Days Cuban Missile Crisis might be cool, Chronicles Origins, Legacy-style uh, Euro game, Seventh Continent, we'll see how that goes, a game called Endure the Stars, which is cooperative sci-fi survival, seems like it could be cool, the Evolution Climate expansion, seems like it adds some new fun things, Fog of Love is a two-player uh, card game, cooperative game, gives me that, and then we held hands kind of vibe, we'll see how that works out. Sword and Sorcery is another multiplayer co-op adventure style game that's got a really slick style. I particularly like the art, and that's what kind of grabbed me. Uh, the reprint of High Frontier. There is Pandemonium, which is a classic survival horror game. No zombies, no uh, dice. 
classic survival horror. Seems kind of cool. And then some abstract games, one called Aura, which is a card-based game, and Tatsu, which is an abstract game about these three dragons who are battling it out. Looks pretty cool. Uh, Trove, the Crystal Cavern, Doctor Who, Time of the Daleks. Lobotomy is a co-op game where you are insane mental patients trying to escape an asylum. Sounds kind of cool. And then the one that stands out that I think is probably going to be good for sure is First Martians Adventures. Just because it's from Portal Game, it's built on the Robinson Crusoe system apparently, and it's sci-fi Mars. I just watched The Martian and I thought about, you know, what would a board game like this look like? And this may be The Martian, the board game. So we'll see. Um, Definitely seems like a cool one. So lots of fun stuff out there. Lots to anticipate. And uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of junk that we don't even know about that will fill in the gaps between all these cool titles. So any last minute things to spit out before we close out episode 38? Nope. I think that's all the things. So many games. All right, so thank you all for joining us for another long episode, trying to fill in the gaps when we don't get those news episodes to you. Uh, If you want to ever reach out to us, there's lots of ways to do that. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers. Feel free to shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Head on over to the BGG Guild number 2077 or go to guild.nonsensicalgamers.com. Feel free to ask for a micro badge. We're going to start up a thread about anticipated games and about top of the stack. So jump on in there and talk about those. You can like our photos on Instagram. Dan and I both have accounts. Or if you like the show and you'd like to support us, iTunes reviews are a big help. I've read some great reviews and maybe we should do that on the show just to give everyone a shout out. We appreciate the nice things that everyone has said about the show and we hope that more people can find us. The reviews help us do that. Hearts on board game links also don't hurt. And if you ever want to chat with us directly, we are constantly on our phones on Twitter, and we would love to chat. So, Tiff, if people want to do that, how do they find you? I am at IneptGamer. And Dan, if they want to chat, how do they find you? At League Nonsense or at Scandalous underscore Nad. You can find me at Cinnamon Buns, spelled phonetically. Thank you all for joining us. We will see you next time for some news or maybe episode 39. We'll see what happens. Join us then. Say goodbye. Toodles. Bye. Bye.